Welcome, Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics, 40K Codex Analysis, List Building, Strategy Development, Game Theory, Mentoring. Our mission, to help you become a better player and to raise the level of the game both on and off the tabletop. Here's your host, Stephen Box. Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Box, and this is episode number 18. Today, I'm joined with Jack. How are you doing, Jack? All good, Stephen. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, I suppose. Yeah, we recorded our last yeah. one, obviously, the in-between, didn't we? The Christmas and New Year period. So, yeah. uh, 2020, here we are. Oh, 2021. Oh, that one. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. 2020 has gone. 2021. Here we are, should I say. Anyway. Um, yeah. How was your Christmas and New Year, Jack? Did you have a good one? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely great. I had a uh, two weeks off work, completely chilled out and uh, just got really into my Warhammer, just looking into latest updates and watching lots of battle reports and things like that. And um, just keep myself up to date with the hobby, really. And relaxing. Nice. Yeah. I had to do the same, really. Um, I actually got loads of hobby done over that time. I was, you know, Last year was crazy busy with Vanguard Tactics, um, so I really needed some time to just kind of deload a little bit from work, I suppose, um, or what is my new job of Vanguard Tactics. So yeah, I did get some good hobby done, had a great time, and very excited about this year to come. Um, yeah, got some fantastic things in the pipeline, which really excited to share. But in today's show, what we're going to be really covering, as you can tell by the title of this podcast, is the January 2001 FAQ review. So we were given a little gift uh, by Games Workshop. A this little week. gift. A huge, huge gift. Huge gift. A huge gift this week by Games Workshop and very excited to see, obviously, um, you know, what what's in store in our discussions, because we're going to be covering today the implications, because the implications are very important. So this is implications of your list, your opponent's list, the overall meta, our general feelings towards the game. And is it better? Is it not? Is it an improvement? Is it a step backwards? So this is really going to, you know, this show hopefully will give you a really good idea today of, you know, what's actually changed, but most importantly, the implications. And as always, you can head over to our blog page and you can check out all of these show notes for yourself. Uh, So if you want to have a quick look through, you can simply do that. So yeah, we're going to be covering the five main sort of changes in the books. And, uh, you know, discussing all different aspects and ultimately all of those things combined is what you need to know in order to understand how the game is evolving and changing and hopefully for the better. Yeah, it's um, it's really exciting stuff. Some of the stuff that's come through. So I can't wait to get stuck in and talk about it. But before we move on, is there uh, any exciting updates for Vanguard Tactics coming into the new year? Yeah. So Vanguard Tactics welcomes two new coaches. Great. Who, Who we got? So we've got Logan. Now, Logan is somebody that has been with Vanguard Tactics since the very beginning. Um, he was on the LVO prep program I ran last year and is a true ambassador for the game. Um, he has, you know, to the point where I've received emails about his conduct and just to show, um, you know, what good spirit um, he plays in and how he represents Vanguard Tactics in the right way. He's extremely knowledgeable and it's fantastic to bring Logan into the fold. Um, he's really passionate about the game. And uh, cannot wait to get him on the podcast as we kind of of dive in more into what he's, you know, really, really good at and where he really likes to look at things like efficiencies and what's effective and all that good stuff for competitive play. So, uh, yeah, Logan, um, congratulations. It's great to have you on board. And then the second coach is Aaron. Now, Aaron, again, 
Um, he's been on the academy for the last year. And I thought, you know, this is somebody that his name is constantly being brought to my attention. Thanks to Aaron for giving me some help. And our community is so good. Um, it, it is just an absolute, like pleasure to be a part of and a real treasure of Vanguard Tactics is our community. It's full of like-minded people who, you know, maybe don't get a sense of community elsewhere, just like our community. Um, and the community is all about like-minded people who want to play the game in the right way, who share and respect, um, you know, one another, and they can really learn from each other. And Aaron's just one of those people that's give, 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 give. He never asked for anything. Um, so I reached out to him and said, look, Aaron, I'd love to bring you on board as a coach. What do you think? And uh, he kind of was like, yep, yeah, I'm in. So, um, you know, Aaron is a fantastic Orc player. That's his main um, speciality. So it's going to be great to bring him on board. Um, and also he's quite local to us. So hopefully when we get back um, out of lockdown, we can start streaming some battle reports and stuff. And I know you and Aaron have become quite good friends recently, haven't you? So uh, very excited for the team to gel. I threw myself into the, uh, the Vanguard Tactics community over the Christmas break and uh it was really great to invest a bit more time into it and um, got talking to loads of the guys. It's such a great group of people who um, are having really interesting conversations about uh, competitive play and all and hobby aspects and things like that. And it's um, it's an absolute hive of activity. It's great. A- Any time that you want to ask a question or talk to anyone, there's always somebody there. So um, that and a special thank you to all those guys there who've uh, you know have been helping me over the last uh, few weeks. Yeah, because you've really dived into Discord, haven't you? And Discord is something yes, that you yeah. probably weren't very kind of comfortable, I would say, with before. Like, it's not really a social media you've used in the past, right? But since getting a new computer oh, yeah. and diving in, yeah. 100%, yeah. It's uh, absolutely great tool, Discord. Absolutely loving it. So, uh, yeah, great. And I know that yourself and Joe have been very busy on the hobby table as well, haven't you? Yeah, so um, I think this week alone, I've painted um, 10 Harlequin bikes and 40 Harlequins. Nice. Diamonds nice. included. So, um, yeah, and over the Christmas holiday, I finished off the Slanesh Chaos Space Marine Army. Um, Joe's been helping out on that as well. And then also he's now working on the Death Guard Army. So, um, And he's doing a few little updates to his uh, personal Dark Elder as well. So um, I know at the moment we can't stream, um, but we are gearing up for when we um, some of the measures in lockdown kind of ease up and we'll have a you know, all the new armies kind of updated and ready to go for when the codexes eventually drop. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those other things I would uh, quickly say. Um, obviously, it's immensely gutting to be put back into into lockdown again. Um, now, obviously, because myself and Joe do derive our income from Vanguard Tactics and it is essentially what our livelihoods, you know, depend on, we are able now to luckily film once a week. Um, obviously, all the other work that we can do from home, we will be doing at home. Painting, editing, administration, social media, blah, 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 you name it. We'll be doing that from home, but we will be meeting up once a week, obviously using all the protective equipment that we normally do to ensure that we can still produce some content, um, you know, whether it's for VT TV or uh, what was known as VT Plus, and also obviously the Academy. And at the end of the month, the no LVO that we'll be playing in. So uh, very exciting things to come up. So should we crack on with this FAQ then, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think we've summarised the, the the FAQ into three key sections. So the first section is a uh, the mission pack. Then we're going to talk about some of the rules changes buried within the um, Codex updates. And then the points changes that also come from the updated field manatorium as well. So, uh, Steve, do you want to get us started with the mission pack? Let's, let's go through some of the big changes there. 
Yeah, so the first um, biggest change, no pun intended, is the first turn. Um, and it is now simply the winner, whoever wins that roll-off, goes first. Now, you might be thinking, oh, but I really liked picking or blah de blah blah I like the choice. Well, I actually think, um, and I, I played about 20 games testing this out, and uh, I absolutely love it. It just really speeds up the initial part of the... Uh, of the game. And also it means that you need to build a list that can go first and can go second because mm-hmm. previously, because there was such an advantage going first, a lot of people would immediately choose to go first. So in which if you were somebody that just built a list to go second, then it didn't, you didn't care if you, um, you know, if your opponent went first and actually you were playing to go second. And also this comes into effect and combines with the next chain that we're going to talk about because Obviously, you know, Games Workshop aren't going to want any person to be massively rewarded for going first or second. There needs to be some level of balance. So I think this is a fantastic way of speeding up the game at the initial stages and also make, making sure we've got really well-rounded lists. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I really like it. I think it takes you back to your list building um, straight away that you need an army that can flex to go first, go second, so maybe a little bit more mobility in your list or infiltrating units as well. They all get added value. Um, I think it's really exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to really trying that out, but I think that's a positive change of the game. Yeah. So what, what sort of, um, you know, so that's what's happened. So now let's look at the implementation. What should people be looking out for Jack in their rules, which could really help them with this situation where they don't know if they're going first or second. So what sort of rules interactions are we looking for in our codexes where you think I could put that in place and this is going to help me out? So what's become more valuable? Anything that could redeploy pre-game. Yeah. Once you know when the first turn's gone, that, that, the, the value of that's shot up, which is good. Because uh, it's unique ability uh, on certain factions and stratagems and stuff like that. So that, that's a really good advantage. So a few a few interactions. If you if you haven't opened up your codex in a while, you've maybe been laying a bit dormant. But guys, get excited about it. The change is big. So ultramarines they can redeploy units. Eldar they can redeploy units. Um, Harlequins can redeploy. Orcs can redeploy. Anything else that we've missed? The Catan, the Deceiver. Yeah, the Deceiver can. Um, and I'm sure there's there's others buried away. Um, there's Warlord traits in the Space Marine book as well. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, super, super valuable powers um, and abilities that you need to be looking for. Any others? And I think um, at the moment you could easily build an army that plays second. So it could be, you could hide it behind Ruin out of line of sight. And if you win that roll off, you always choose to go second, um, basically. But you can't really have an army built like that anymore to that extent. You need to have the ability to make use of that first turn if you're going to have it, because 50% of the time you'll be going first. Yeah, and this is actually something that I think we've seen a bit of a switch in ninth edition where at the beginning everyone was like, oh, it's a, it's a gun game, you know, everything's about shooting. But in actual fact, I think ninth edition is about combat, um, which is probably why I, I, like, I like it so much. But the fact that you cannot choose, it was extremely strong if you're a good combat player to go second, because like you said, Jack, you null deploy your opponent, they can't shoot anything, they can't kill anything. So your opponent, whether they're Tau, Admech, Guard without, you know, artillery, wastes their first turn. Or, or another combat army. Yeah. Um, because they can't come and charge you. So if they move, they can't move into the mid ground because you charge them. Yeah. So now it's forcing you to have to declare and put some units maybe in a little bit riskier positions because you don't want to lose the foothold in the game. You don't want to lose that positioning because if you win that roll off, 
you're going first. And I think the other thing that people really need to look out for is anything that can pre-game move. Um, you know, super death company. Yeah, super powerful. We'll talk about death company. They had a slight change um, in their FAQ. I could probably do a, an episode just on the Blood Angel FAQ, but um, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that anything can pre-game move. It's a, it's a similar sort of like repositioning style. So I'm for it, you're for it. I think the other guys at VT are all for it. So good, positive change uh, for that first bit. So what's the next one that changed then, Jack? So this one I really like is if you go second in a game, instead of scoring your primary points at the beginning of your turn, on the last turn in turn five, you score it at the end of the battle. And why is that important? So I, I use an example of me playing town. So typically how title games go is you're a slow burner. You you start slow on terms of the objectives while you chip away your opponent and kill them. And then at the end of the game, you then jump on to the, all the objectives and things like that. If I have the second turn now with my tower, I can, you, you pretty much can guarantee that 15 points. And, and I think most, quite a few builds will be able to like gain... 15 points in that primary at the end yeah looking like at death guard for example slow steady durable armies can can really hold on to that fifth turn have enough units and resources available to jump on to those objectives at the end of the game um which previously they had it was much harder for them to get hold of those 15 point turns because they're you know typically slower or anything like that or the person who's gone first just spread across all the objectives for most of the turns um, so I think that's a really positive change. And it's, again, it tweaks your list, it tweaks your thinking and your approach to an overall game. You've got to, if you're going first, how do you protect that turn five, 15 point primary score in, in that last battle round and things like that? Yeah, it's one of those that you can't just, because what was typically happening is if you went first, um, not only can you get to the objectives earlier than your opponent, but when it comes to turn four, if you've scored all of your primary points, what you can actually do is then just leave all of your objectives and kind of um, bum rush your opponent, push all your units forward, move, block them, charge everything, go completely gung ho with no care in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and all you're trying to do is literally put some bodies on your your opponent's objectives. Now, that basically leaves you in a position where um, you don't because because you don't need to hold or hold more at that at any longer in terms of the game your opponent now you could literally just you know stop them from scoring whatsoever but now your opponent has chance to pick up any remaining units that are straggling around jump on those objectives and score a nice big 15 at the end of the game so um what this will end up happening is there will be games in which the first the person that's going first is just going to win anyway because they would have either done extremely well throughout turns one to three. And no matter what, the person going second will still struggle to get back into the game. And even with a slight swing on it, it might not even matter. But where it does come into play, um, and or it could be the person who went second is absolutely dominating their opponent. And mm-hmm. that, that, that will still be the same. But what it does mean is that it will just start to make games slightly closer between yeah. the close yeah. games that were slightly more in favour of the person going first, now they'll become a little bit more balanced. So the games at either end of the spectrum, where one's smashing the other, that's not going to be affected. And this is something that we've certainly found as well through using this. So it's just making nice, tighter, closer games. And really, when you're going first, you need to consider 
that fifth turn and how you're going to save units in order to slow down the tempo of the game to make sure you've still got units alive to, you know, still deny your opponent scoring in, even at the end. You still have to defend your objectives. You can't just run away from them and mm-hmm. otherwise your opponent will use their mobility to jump on them. So I think it's a great change. So what's next, Jack? So there's been a few changes to some secondaries, which are um, very welcome. I think that they're a great set. So they've changed three. So the first one is while we stand, we fight. A very subtle change, but important. It's no longer the most expensive model. It's now the most expensive unit, which changes a lot of people's probably um, desire to take that secondary now, because instead of being characters hidden in a wall of units, it's the units themselves that need protecting. Yeah, and which is very, very difficult to do. And what we kind of saw was a bit of a meta shift, didn't we? Um, and, you know, we've spoke about it before. It's a good strategy to go for an infantry-based list and then just add your characters mm-hmm. in because it was a very good secondary for you to score on. And it also meant that as soon as you took it, your opponent had to try and, like, kill you. They had to go super aggressive in order to deny you those points. But now... If you want to use those big, expensive units, then you're going to not only risk them being shot at or killed, um, which then you might start to give up those. So I think a well-crafted army um, in which can utilize those units well, but only get a certain amount out of them and then realize at the point, and this is where the skill general is really going to come into play is, okay, these are my three big units. These are my three while we stand with fights. When do I need to play with them in order to to get me the damage done? But then when do I need to realize, actually, I'm going to win this game and I need to start to defend. I need to retreat. I need to slow the game down. I need to keep these units alive. And I think that's where the real skill in this secondary is going to come into play. No, I agree. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It becomes a skill, um, more skillful to to take that secondary rather than, Take, it, it can be a quite safe bet when you're burying these characters within the re- remainder of your army. So from what was in certain, certain builds is a very safe, easy, potentially f- 10, 15 points now becomes a little bit more risky, but I think with good play, you can, you can still make it work. Yeah. And to give some other sort of, you know, how was this affecting the meta? Um, well, we were seeing a lot of infantry base lists, weren't we? Mm-hmm. We weren't seeing many vehicles. We weren't seeing many, um, you know, like highly pointed things. Like people would even discuss, oh, I'm not going to take a reanimator in a Necron list because it would it would then become a while we stand, we fight in a, in a sort of infantry base list and it would be more expensive than one of their characters. Um, so they weren't taking it. They were like, oh, the reanimator is rubbish because it can't, it sort of stops yeah. that while we yeah, stand, we fight. Or the rhino is a bad choice in a sister's list because all of a sudden it's more expensive than my canoness. You don't want that. You don't want a game design in which is inhibiting somebody because of a very, very, or very, very strong secondary. So um, I think it's awesome. We'll start to see vehicles back on the table, big monsters back because actually it's all about the unit size that you've got to keep alive. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think you segued as brilliantly into the next change, talking about vehicles and monsters, massive changes on bring it down. Um, I'm really glad to see this change. So basically, the points that you score from the different vehicle brackets have all gone down by one. So that, so if you kill a vehicle with ten or wo- ten wounds or less, it's now one point instead of two. If it's got nineteen, it's got eleven to nineteen wounds, you get two points instead of three. And then for twenty wounds or more, you get three points, which is an absolutely great change, which allows factions in particular that rely on their vehicles to be able to 
create well-balanced armies like Imperial Guard, like Orcs, for example, Tyranids as well with their monsters. It just means that you're less likely just to automatically give 15 points away, which was um, which was a harsh penalty for playing those factions. Yeah, and what we found ourselves in the recent, I would say, few months is Space Marines obviously have had a codex, which meant they had additional secondaries they can pick from, which also means that because Space Marines lists don't typically give away any secondaries whatsoever, because there's never really that many characters to take Assassinate, there's never really, you can't really grind them down and kill more of them because there's not that many units of them. While we stand, we fight was super easy for them to score. And also they were, you know, a fresh codex with, you know, ninth edition written in mind. Whereas some of the older factions, like let's say Drakari, who have lots of Venoms, and let's say you were running three Venoms and you were also running, um, you know, nine Talos, you would instantly be giving away 15 points to your opponent really even before you've started playing so not only have you got a slightly um you know like weaker codex um and maybe not that top tier like the marines are at the moment um but also the mission design is was affecting that and i think games workshop have realized that and they've thought okay well how do we help these armies like Drakari, like Orcs with all the buggies and the trucks and things, how do we help the nids of all the monsters ensure that it's still a struggle to actually, you know, achieve this? Because you never want to be in a situation where, you know, you're just giving away 15 points. Every single secondary should be hard to score. You, it should be difficult to max out every single one. Um, you know, we don't really want 100 point victories. Um, you know, that should be left for the top, 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 top of the, you know, of the world. And by actually making all these things harder, it actually increases the skill level of the game, which then gives us as players more kind of scope to play, to be more creative, to really embed in our knowledge and our learning and our skills, which is obviously what we teach on the academy. Um, and it really rewards that kind of like, I've spent a long time, I've got the reps in, I know how this army functions, I know how to score well with it, and it gives a real sense of rewarding, which is why we play this game, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for that change to bring it down, it, it means it just opens up options again. If you are, oh, I didn't fancy taking a load of dreadnoughts or anything like that because I was going to give away 12 and bring it down, all of a sudden it might just be a more palatable choice to, to look at some of these archetype builds. So more choice the better, in my opinion. Yeah, and um, by the way, just quickly, if you want to see where we're getting all these um, information from, I'll put a link into our blog page, all right? Uh, but it's all on the Warhammer community. It's all free access. You can obviously go and read those for yourselves. Um, okay, what's the next change then from the secondary picks? So it's um, to Arbor the Witch. So it, it, it's done a very similar role that Bring It Down's done. It's not to completely hamstrung a couple of key factions in Thousand Suns, Grey Knights and Demons, really. Um, so previously, you'd got three, un- three points for killing a unit that was the had psyker keyword and then five point and then that's now two and then five points for characters um one killed but that's now three so that's a massive reduction in the potential points that you're giving away in in particular your gray knights and your thousand sun armies when every single unit's a psyker yeah which is awesome and i think we were also seeing a lot of um with all of these things with while we stand we fight um we were seeing a lot of msu builds weren't we yeah. Now, actually, I think what's this going to mean is while we the what the change of while we stand, and also this abhor the witch, we might see larger units of you know those those psyker. So rather than just 
you know, a bare bones five man thousand sons unit, we might start seeing 10 man because they're going to want to keep these units alive to, to try to deny those three points per unit. But again, what a great change because before you could just kill three psychic characters and you've done it. Great. Yeah. Easy 15 points. So and when it's now three of them, you now need to kill five in probably conjunction with some units in order to max that out. So again, I think what we need to try and do now is really change our um, expectations on what secondaries um, is an achievable score for secondary points. So rather than it being, yeah, I'm going to try and aim for 45, maybe you just try for 30. You know, maybe you just try for 10 on each out of those and maybe that's going to be start being a winning score is just, you know, 40 points on the primary, 30 points on the secondaries and then 10 points for painting, rounding off the game with a good 80 points rather than trying to go really risky and trying to get the big 100 because that's probably where some people are just losing the game completely because they're not picking the more conservative secondaries. So, yeah, I think we're going to start to see some changes there in the meta, which is going to be awesome for the game. Nice. Up next, we're going to be talking about the rare rules update from the mission pack. So, Jack, what is the first most significant change? Because there are a few. We're going to just cover the most significant ones. Yeah, there's a whole swathe of um, rare rules updates, and it which helps to clarify certain interactions in the game, which were always a bit of a question mark. Some you know, some TOs might make a ruling on it. You might have an impression how it works. But I think they've, they've put a lot of effort in to try and clarify lots of these little nuances in the game, which is great. Um, so that's perfect and we've picked out a couple that uh, really jumped, leapt off the page to us they've re- they've put a lot of work into the fight first and the last clarification and how those two things in, uh, interact with each other yeah because in this rare rule section is like the it's I suppose GW's way of saying look this is what we mean when we say these following things and sometimes those following things could be said in a very there could be like one word difference, but the I think the rules, there's some people out there who play the game that really like stickler to rules is written and they're like word by word. It says this, it doesn't say that. And if it did say this, but not that, then it would mean this, but it doesn't. So this is the rare rule section. Check it out and it will say, look, if it says roughly one of these things, it kind of means this. So use it in this way. Uh, which is perfect. So I really like the rare rule section of the book. In terms of the overall like ninth edition design, like this rare rule section is such a great place where they can add these bits in, which previously would be buried in an FAQ of a codex, which became difficult to find. And then all of a sudden discrepancies started picking up. So I think I really like what they've done to include it in this rare rule section. So it's nice and easy to find this stuff. Yeah. And you've got to imagine like, I I don't even know how many people write the rules for Games Workshop. There could be loads. And if one person says fight first, but the other one says fight before, and the other one says (laughs) fight just before, it's like, well, it all kind of means the same thing. Just fight first. Yeah, and and all that is is just three potentially three different authors that use in slightly different English. Yeah. And and nothing more, nothing less. But when you start interrogating the words word by word, which we all do, you know, because we love it, we love reading rules and interpreting them and things like that and how we can make them work. That's where these little problems start to appear. But they've now got a great place to fix these in sweep, like just adding that fight first, last clarification sweeps up so many little nuances in, in, um, and how those things interact with each other. Yeah. And the biggest change was the, the stratagem where you can interrupt combat. So let's say there's two charging units and uh, what the first, the player who's obviously made those charges would go first with both of those units. 
unless the opposing player can spend the two CPs to interrupt that combat. Now, what they have said here is that the interrupt combat stratagem will not be able to be used if another unit as is making it fight after all eligible units have fought before it. So that is actually going to override that interrupt. Have I interpreted that correctly, cool. Jack? Yes. Perfect. So I just wanted to make sure. Um, but yeah, that's again, like nice. They're basically saying that unit, you can't fight with it until everybody else has. So even if you've got a stratagem, which does this, because we go back to can't overrides can in a lot of instances. Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, nice and simple. Cool. What's the next one? Flyers can now fly off the board, but dr- drop a bomb on the way forward, on the way through. Love it. <laughs> Give me those burner bombers. Do you know what? I was, when I first read this, I was like, no way. Because when I first ever read the interaction in the rule book, I was like, surely you actually have to land we, before you drop the bomb. Uh, but I remember when we discussed it when Ninth Edition first came out and flyers could actually fly off the board. And we thought, surely you can't do this. It seems too good. But it's, um, no, it's fine. It's in there now. It's fine. It'd be interesting to see if it does take off. I'm not apologising for the pun. Um, <laughs> no, you're just dropping, fly, you're because, just dropping because, knowledge bombs now, yeah, left, right, and centre. Because fly, because <laughs> flyers don't aren't very pivotal in the game at the moment because they can't score objectives. So actually, giving them a little buff with this little with this ability, you might actually see a couple now, which is which is good. Yeah, because when we think about balance, right, in the game of 40k, we got to think of it as a triad. You've got rules, you've got points, and you've got the mission. So. Yeah. When we were just out of 8th edition, flyers were crazy good. Um, and actually, when we look at the rules, rules have changed. Rules and flyers have changed. Okay, they're, they're easier to kill now. Um, so, number one, rules have changed. Number two, points have changed. They're quite expensive. And number three, they don't do anything for you in regards to the mission. Well, hardly anyway. So actually, there's been three huge nerfs to flyers in this edition, which is why we haven't seen many of them. And this now gives them a little bit extra punch, which might start to bring them back into the fold, which is what we want. We want to see some flyers. We don't want to see nine flyers. Ben Jones, I'm talking to you, you filthy animal. Yeah, I've still got my air raid shelter in the back garden from playing Ben Jones. It was uh, (laughs) But but I I missed the fly off the board and bomb thing, and... um, just taking your triad there is that so the Sunshine Bomber for Tal, for example, has dropped in points. So actually now and it, and it can bomb as many times as it's alive. So actually he can run off the board and he's now got a buff in his rules and a buff in points. He's still can't interact with the mission, but actually he's got two out of the three things to help it along. So actually is it something to worth consider? And that's just one example of one plane and one book. The bomber's back, Jack. It could be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, I think it's good. And I think, again, GW are looking at this and going, right, how do we balance this out? Okay, let's make it this. And I think that's cool. I love it. I'm up for yeah, it. Let's right. get some flyers back on the table. Let's get some Void Raven bombers, but yeah. no jo- no Joe, no buying Void Ravens, all right? <laughs> You've got enough Drakari yeah. to be getting on with. Um, but uh, anyway, so... Um, uh, I'm going to let you take the next, next point. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, how minus one AP and ignore minus one or minus AP two works. So this is a, I'm so glad they cleared this up because I've seen this ruled in tournaments recently. And I was like, 
how have you come to that conclusion? I've even had people troll, you know, troll us on videos. And I'm like, no, that's clearly not what's intended here. So what they've changed is before before what was happening, um, and I'm going to use Space Marines as an example. Okay, so let's use the Heavy Bolter. The Heavy Bolter is typically minus one AP. Okay, and obviously what would happen is when they were in the Heavy Doctrine or the Devastator Doctrine, they would get an additional minus one. So they would be stock AP one going up to minus, you know, AP two. So if a rule had ignore minus one, what they were doing first was, okay, well, the gun itself is minus one. I ignore minus one. And therefore the gun itself gets stacked back on from the Devastated Doctrine back on after. So it was like, here's my characteristic. Here's what I'm stopping. Here's a characteristic. It was weird. So in the result, people were saying, well, I ignore minus one, but it's of this minus two. So it's, it's just an ends up minus one. It was getting so confusing of how it was working or Let's say you're a thunder hammer that's minus two and you then go into the assault doctrine, which becomes minus three against a unit that can ignore minus one and not minus two. And then it would net result just a minus one. No. So what they've said is, look, it's the gun and any buffs first. Then if that is like the same as what you can ignore, then you ignore it. So if you're a thunder hammer with the assault doctrine, which is minus two plus and minus one, so equaling minus three, your ignore minus AP one in minus two does not work. It's just flat minus three. Okay. And uh, again, same with, I don't know, ignoring a minus one power um, or, or minus two with additional buffs. So it's just a case of you take the gun characteristic and any buffs First, you stack all that together and then you look at the next side. What am I ignoring? Can I ignore anything? Do you think that's been a better change, Jack? It makes it a lot easier um, to, to deal with rather than having, okay, my gun's got this and then you ignore that and then I go back to my gun and do this. It's just going, right, here's, here's, here's the total damage of my attack and it all is AP. Then you apply your, you know, your debuffs to it, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good change. It's um, it keeps it simple. Yes, yeah, it keeps it simple, which is, um, you know, brilliant. I think people were using like trying to use mathematical bodmas to try and figure it out, and <laughs> it just wasn't quite maybe intended to speed up the game. And that's what we want is, um, you know, good games a quick game, or vice yeah. versa. Right. So next one. Number four on our list of rare rules changes. So you can now use anything to deny a psychic action, which was a big uh, area of debate, wasn't it? In terms of denying the witch with a psyker using stratagems or other abilities to deny it as well. But that's all been cleared up. Yep. So we've got, I'm going to read this out. While a psychic actions are not in themselves psychic powers they function in much the same way for all intensive purposes when a unit attempts a psychic action this is treated as as if they were attempting to manifest a psychic power and such triggers any rules that interacts with manifesting a psychic power e.g rules that enable you to deny a psychic power can also be used to deny a psychic action note that a psychic can still only attempt to perform one psychic action in their psychic phase instead of attempting to manifest any other psychic powers so look if you've got a stratagem that can turn it off, that's big. That is very big. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at sisters, I think iron warriors, custodes, black templars, corn berserkers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, it's tasty. So um, yeah, nice. 
They cleaned it up. I think he's right. I think he's right as well. I like if you can't have an ability to stop a psychic action, it's almost it's almost like a free fifteen points for your opponent. It's very difficult to deny it. So having all these abilities to help um, stop those potentially easy points being scored in certain matchups, I think is a good thing for the overall game. Do you play Tao? I do play Tao. <laughs> I could I could get a deny on my list if I wanted to. Anything that can stop psychic powers is something good for the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that's brilliant. Okay, right. So, any implication of any of these into your army? So, out of all this stuff, what's implicating your Tau army, mate? I'll, I'll, I'll pick one, which I think is the most important change in this, all these kind of mission pack updates, and that is the change in the prime return scoring to if I'm going second to get that 15 points at the end of the game, I think typically that should help me get towards 40, 50 primary. No, 40 to 45 primary. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll have, I'll have 50 primary, please. That'll do. That'll help, wouldn't it? Um, but I, I think that makes a big chip because I'm, I'm struggling to compete in the early turns and to, to get those hold mores uh, throughout the game. So having that ability to jump on at the end um, could be huge and it could convert you know, minor losses to draws and draws to wins and things like that. As he said earlier, it's it's not going to flip a game that's one-sided, but it does make those really tight games really comp- really competitive and close right down to the end, which is what, which I think for me, are my favourite games. When it goes right down to the almost the last dice roll, it's, um, it's really exciting stuff. Did you mean stressful? And stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, obviously yeah Yeah. okay so no i love that mate i think that's awesome my my favorite change to all of this is while we stand we fight i think um the change in the secondaries is great it just really gives a much well-rounded option for now players um which i think is awesome so uh, yeah that's my favorite thing so should we go on to some rules changes absolutely so i think something to bear in mind with the rule changes and points that um new code we got new codexes on the horizon um so maybe if some of the things don't necessarily make sense at the moment maybe they'll make sense when these new codexes come out or why they've maybe not been changed in points or because they're about to be released into a codex so i think if you're like i say a death guard um player and you're a bit disappointed with the changes at the moment hold your horses your codex is going to come out and all your goodies should come in there so keep your heads up um and uh all, all should be good it's only for a few weeks isn't it you know but Absolutely. you've got to think like they're not going to want to keep changing everything, flip-flopping around, yeah. right? They just want to go, right, here we go. Yeah. So, yeah, you, we saw it at the start of Ninth Edition, right? So it's going to be the same when every time yeah. these kind of interactions come between, you know, changing of points and new codexes on the way, all these things need to be factored in. Okay, so what's the first one? So cool. Um, so we've gone through it. So abilities that trigger doc- doctrines out of sequence then gain the buff if your chapter has uh, an ability that triggers in certain doctrines like blood angels or space wolves that trigger in the assault phase if you have the ability to put a unit into assault doctrine they have confirmed that you gain the buff for being in assault doctrine yes so this was something that oh the amount of just (laughs) do you know what um, I'm in the Blood Angels group in, in the Warhammer 40k group in, on Facebook and I've seen so much, so many people get so emotionally attached to a rule. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously me and Joe, we're, we're like, right, we're going to play some Blood Angels on stream. So here's a point of contention. Me and Joe are going to sit down like two grown men. Um, 
or as much as we can be, but you know, <laughs> and we're going to discuss what is a fair, reasonable interpretation of this rule. So we'd agreed that they get it right. That's what we agreed. We say yep. on the battle report, we are using savage echoes from the blood chalice, which is a, a sanguinary priest and that he gives it that ability for that turn. Now, bear in mind, it's only ability that can you can use for turns one and two, because after that, you're in the Assault Doctor anyway. anyway. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think that one in particular was such a massive question mark. And if you're playing an event, you just go with a TO that rules it. You ask the question prior to going to the event, because it was so on the fence. But it's great. It's been cleared up now. It's now crystal clear. The, but the thing is, people get so emotionally attached to a rule, right? And yeah. you never want to be emotionally attached to rule because, yeah, right now it says one thing, but that doesn't mean in three months' time it's still going to be the same, right? In terms of GW wanting to balance the game, they they might decide in a year's time that actually maybe we don't want this and we'll completely change it. But if they do change yeah. it, it will change for absolutely every single other Space Marine faction because it's all about consistency in the game, right? They want to keep that consistent approach between all the different factions and also rules interactions. So like we've been playing it for years that the, you know, ultramarines, when they can go into the tactical doctrine, their aggressors could, you know, fire twice, right? Because they count as stationary. So we've been playing that for years. Why would it be any different for blood angels? Why would it be any different for um, space wolves? So again, remember, if you're, if you're ever unsure on a rule, if you're ever unsure about the rules interpretation, look at what other things are similar for other books because that would probably dictate the intent of how that thing should be played, okay? But again, just just do what the rules say at the time and uh, go with it from there, but never get emotionally attached to a rule, all right? But yeah, I think that's a great change. And I think we'll jump onto the next um, contentious one. Um, because it, it flows nicely onto it. It's the changes to the Tau Master of War abilities, Monkart and Kalyon. I'll cover Kalyon quickly. Great little change. Um, it's now reroll all hits rather than failed. So perfect. That's just in line with um, what we're seeing on reroll hits now. So that's great. The rest of it stays the same. Monka has been a debate for ages. Um, and for me, we've talked to, as a team many times. At, uh, and we came to the conclusion, no, it doesn't work uh, over the last few months because we're not sure it can be it could be massive implication of it. So we'll play the and I wanted to play with the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, but now the wording's been changed. It's um, you you can now fall back and shoot from combat using Monka. Yes. Um, which is it opens up so many more options and play styles with a towel, which you're massively missing from fo- the transition to ninth. And I think if anyone, um, for me personally, I think having an ability to do it once per game with limitations within six inches of the commander comparing to all my army fall back and shooting for free off the back of the fly word, I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, um, I agree. It's, it's still a good nerf. You know, the shield drones have still gone away. They've gone up in points and the rate of fire has gone up. And having that limited but vital access to fall back and shoot, I think is perfectly fair. And it, and it looks like it's completely kit cleared up now so i'm a very ha- happy um fish man yeah because it basically says when you come to shoot if Monkar is in play um you count as not moving and it says uh, and they've added a second sentence to say and you can still shoot yes so that means what that allows you to do is advance and still fire as if you didn't and yeah. then also move with heavy weapons and ignore the penalty as well so 
is giving you three good all the you know all the normal penalties around shooting with ever any type of move whatsoever. Um, you know you, you're getting out of that, which is epic. Which is exactly why I've just bought Farsight just for two more yeah. guards a turn. Yeah, um, because it's a very strong power and. Um, yeah, so hopefully if you're... And I think the problem that you had before, Jack, which was really interesting, was you are getting to the table and you're like, this is how this... This is how I perceive this rule to be interpreted. And your opponent's going to go, oh, nah, 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 nah. You yeah, can't do that, mate. And they'll argue until the blue in the face of you, but now it has been yeah. cleared up. So um, Yeah, so that's great. And I think we'll discuss the implications of that in more detail in a future episode when we talk about Tau in particular. Yep, absolutely. Um, which is going to be on next week's show. We're going to be discussing all things Tau and how to perform with potentially an underrated faction. So I think that's going to be a really interesting um, episode for next week for those people that, you know, maybe are waiting for their new codex to come out. Um, you know, I'm as an Eldar player, I would love a new codex. Don't get me wrong or chaos, whatever it is. So how can we get the most out of our armies? Um, so Jack's going to share some insights around Tau. Um, and then we're also we're going to share some mindset things and other aspects, what you can do in terms of your game plan in order to get the most out of that. So I'm really excited for next week's show. Okay, what's next? The ATV? Yes, yeah, so the rest of these changes are relatively simple compared to those two. Uh, to those, those two. So the ATV and the apothecary interaction of bringing the ATV back is gone. Happy yeah. days. It didn't feel right. We all felt it was going to go away. And now it's, it's been confirmed. That's now off, off the table. In in short, if it feels too good to be true, it probably is. Absolutely. Um, so I'm glad they've made that change. Okay, next up, it says now racks can be taken up into 20-man units, eh? Yeah, so I know a lot of people in the Dark Eldar groups are getting very excited about this because, you know, you got I've got my four up in Vun, I'm toughness five, I'm a six that feel no pain. But for me, when I look at that, I go, well, hold on a minute, your, your codex is due to come out? Mm-hmm. Um, do you meet, are you going to keep your four up in them? Are you going to keep your six of feel no pain? Are you going to keep your toughness five? Going up to a 20-man unit, I would expect one or more of those abilities to go away potentially because that becomes very strong. Yes. Yeah. So I think, again, emotionally attachment to the four up in them, for example, is from the Prophets of Flesh from a sub-faction ability. Will Rax retain it or will it just be on the Grotesques and the Talos, for example? We don't know. Um but I think, um, yeah, just proceed with a little bit of a caution. Don't, I won't necessarily go out and buy, you know, hundred racks based on based on the rules of the codex today. And you go into twenty man units. You're a fool. It's an interesting change. Yeah, <laughs> you're a fool, Jack. I'm 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 buying hundred and twenty tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure Joe has already. Yeah. Well, he is a fool, that man. Anyway, um, so next up after the rack change to the twenty man unit, what else is next? You can have fire and fade back into a transport. <sighs> Nasty. All, all our chat has been filled with is Ben Jones and his Reapers <laughs> firing fade yeah. back into a wave serpent. He's got to go and find them first. I'm pretty sure uh, he, he buried them deep, deep, deep into his into his uh, collection and his, uh, of all his models. But um, I think again, like similar to the towel changes, it, it, it makes a an underpowered codex a, gives it a great option to play with now. Yeah, the Reapers are so squishy. If they stand out in the open um, to shoot, they will just die. If they're on the board and there's any kind of non uh, line of sight weapons, they will just die. And they're an expensive unit, um, so I think that's fine. It's it's and um, obviously you've got a good shell to put them in with a wave serpent. Uh, I think it's really interesting. I think it's it's a 
it, it, it's a good good buff for the Eldar, but I don't think it's anywhere um, game breaking whatsoever. Well, also it's a five hundred point unit, including the unit and also the um, the wave serpent, and it's a one CP. That's another way of putting it. Yeah, and it's that's a quarter one, of your army gone, and it's a one CP uh, needed every single turn as well. Yeah, five hundred points and five CP. That's a fair trade. And if your opponent's got Vect on the table, <laughs> so it's not broken. Yeah. Um, no. If anything, it might even be a trap. Yeah. So who knows? But it's interesting, you know. You know it, it, it opens up nice little plays with um, st- other stuff as well. Like, um, could you? Sorry, I'm just I'm just freeballing here. Just thinking of this little topic is: could you? Could your character, your troop unit, drop a banner on an objective in the movement phase? And then fire and fade back into the transport. No, because fire and fade is done as soon as they fired. Okay, cool. That's fine. Um, That's good. Um, but yeah, but, but you could use little other units to hold objectives and jump back in, in the transport. There might be little plays in there that are a bit cuter than the obvious, probably was the, dark, the, the 10 Dark Reapers fire and fading out of Wave Serpent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I'd agree with that. Okay. We've got uh, Nurglings, no feel no pain against mortal wounds anymore. Good. I think Nurglings were being abused. They're so good for the Ninth Edition mission set because they can infiltrate, deploy all across all the mid-board objectives and an incredibly durable base. So um, a little workaround to start getting those units to be shift quicker for certain armies. I think that's a good good change for, for the amount of points they are as well. There's nothing worse than nurgling, you know, bashing when you just, yeah. it's like whack-a-mole. It's a slog. Oh, it's painful. Um, yeah, no, I like that. And then the next change is the CP farm with Harlequin. So it's gone back just to once per once per turn now, hasn't it? You can get generate CP back. Um, no, so you can now, uh, that Warlord trait allows you to generate the, you know, the Warlord trait when you've older dice to, to the number of CP spent. Yep. You gain that many CP back rather than being restricted to just one. Oh, I thought it was that anyway. No, it, it, it was, um, the rules as written previously, that wall or trade didn't work. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I think there might be a little bit of open wording on it that you could do it, you could keep doing that um, infinity number of times in a given battle round. So, uh, right, okay. So they've cleared it up there. Yeah, so at the moment, they said that wall or trade works and you can gain two or three CP back. Nice. But I think the way it's written is that you could roll, if your opponent uses three, two CP stratagems in a turn, that you get to roll off every time and gain the CP back. So you could gain like six, for example, in that exact. Right, okay, So yeah. I imagine that will be changed to battle round. Um, yeah, so it says here, the limit of gaining or refunding one CP, or yeah, one command point per battle round does not apply to any command points gained via this Warlord trait. So it's either intentionally that you can gain more, more than and you can use you can use that wall or trait more than once in the same battle round, yeah. or it might just be FAQ to say you can only gain CPs via this wall or trait once per battle round, potentially. Yes. But we'll it, see. Yeah, the limit of gaining or refunding one CP per battle round does not apply to gaining any yeah. command points via this wall or trait. And I think for me that intention just means. You know, obviously, if it's a two CP stratagem, you roll a two, you get two CPs back. Cool. Yeah, but I think you could gain six to eight to ten. Oh yeah. In a turn, which but, I, I wouldn't think that's intended, so I wouldn't play it. Like no, that. exactly. So I think lots of people get excited about it again. Just, just wait, see what happens in the next week or so. Because it, it, I, I think, and I think we agree, 
that is likely to be restricted to um you can use that ability once to, for to once we're battle around yeah i agree uh, that's how i'll play that using harlequins yep Okay, cool. Uh, next up, points. And this is the um, final section that we're going to be covering before we talk about any sort of other implications. Okay, so um, first points that you want to go over, let's talk about, um, yeah, two two concerning ones, right? But go on, give us I these. Think there's, yeah, I think there's, um, there's some potential printing errors or little mistakes. Um Two that have jumped out is the Reaver Jet Bikes and the Tau Fast Attack Drones to me. Um, the Reaver Jet Bikes are 10 points at the moment. And for some reason, the Fast Attack Drone slots are 20 points per model, but then you can buy them with units for 10. Um, it doesn't look quite right. And if it's something on the drones, and if something's too good to be true, Reaver Jet Bikes probably might be a mistake. So... It's a, for 10 points a model, those Reaver Jet Bikes get out, outrageous the amount of models you can put on the base for the number of wounds you get. So I think, um, again, just just maybe wait, maybe wait, just hold off, see if that, that document gets updated. Um, and again, the Dark LR book's due out. It, you know, those bikes might be one wound or something. There might be 10 points. We don't know at this time. Yeah. I mean, if they are, you've got to think about it in perspective, right? When a Dire Avenger is 11 points, <laughs> yeah. Um, a Reaver jet bike that can move literally double, double. Yeah. if not triple, um, with an extra wound is not going to be one point less. So yeah. guys, it's probably an error. Um, and there's also like yeah. a, a, another little error here that I've spotted is with the sisters. Um, their dominions apparently can take multi melters now. Uh, there's been a few little ones like that where I think, um, incorrectly um added war gear onto certain units and yeah basically you can't take a weapon if it doesn't say on your data sheet you can take it so even in the points section if it has multi-melter 20 points i mean it could say multi-melter have a million points back if you can't get access to it you can't yeah, get access point. to it so good point. um think logically guys you know do consider the fact that there will be mistakes now and again. Like I make typos, I make speller mistakes. We all do. Um, so yeah, guys, just just chill. It happens. It's a lot of numbers in that document. Um, so uh, yeah, but, uh, I'm just grateful that, that we have got points changes in between codexes. If you have any codex, you get a few little point changes. It opens up different options again. So let's be grateful for what we got, and you know, give the give the give the guys. Uh, a pat on the back and say, yeah, that they'll sort it out shortly. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're in a pandemic and people are working from yeah, home yeah. and communication is harder yeah. and, you know, all these other things that are happening in the wider world. There are going to be mistakes. So let's give the guys a bit of a break. Um, yes, um, if it is a mistake, it's a mistake. Let's move on. Okay, cool. So next up we've got, um, we'll whiz through these as quickly as we can. Okay, Dark Angels. So I was doing my, re- doing my research ready for the show and I know this little table that looks like um, a way of upgrading Dreadnoughts, Land Raiders, Storm Ravens to Deathwing, which I imagine might be like the Blood Angels one. So maybe uh, that table wasn't meant to be in the um, FAQ document, but it was there. Um, so that was very interesting. Little sneak peek for you, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then we'll just jump on to the, the Space Marines, Inceptors, Eradicators, and Outriders have all had a slight increase, which is good. Um, I think that'll help stop spamming of these units. Yeah, because a five-point increase on, let's say, you're taking a unit of three eradicators. So for that guy that's got his Indomitus box, he's got, you know, three eradicators. 
he's not or she is not going to care about 15 point increase. You'll find that or she will find that somewhere else. Um, but it's the people that were going, right, I'm going to run 18 inceptors. That's who it's going to affect big time. Um, I really like how they now give you different points per. So, for example, a weapon on one unit might be different to a weapon on another unit. And guys, yes. that is intentional. And the reason for that is because of the max power of a unit that it can give out when you combine it with stratagems, buffs, warlord traits, all the other goodness. Um, so, guys, if you are cons- thinking, oh, why is it five points on that model, but 10 points on that model? It's probably because the potential damage output. So you're going to pay more tax for a unit that can either be taken in larger squad sizes um, and just much greater eff- effectiveness. OK, so look at the points that is displayed under that unit. And that's probably what you pay. OK, Yep. cool. Yeah, so again, we're stopping spam, which is what we want. We want nice, balanced armies with, you know, good commanders knowing how to use them, not just going, oh, well, I'm going to take 18 Inceptors because they're, you know... Most efficient unit in the book. Absolutely. Okay, cool. What's next? Tau. Tau, so Crisis, Broadsides, Devilfish, Hammerheads, Sky Rays, and the Planes have all come down. Um, In particular, the Tanks and Flyers seem to have gone down a fair bit. Um, a nice little sh- shaving of points on the Devilfish and, yeah, the broadsides as well. They've done very well on the, on the points reductions. Commanders have gone up 10, which is fine um, because, uh, again, that because they're BS2 and the guns are all costed the same in the case of Tau, the commander should be more expensive, so that's fine. Nurglin's gone up a few points, I believe, as well, which is good to help, you know, stop seeing 30 of them on the table. You might only see 26 of them. It just helps in that matchup. Um, and I think they were very aggressively pointed previously. Yeah. Just on to Necrons, the reanimate is down to 80 points, which is, I think, very interesting with how durable warriors are. Yeah, and I think the reanimator, actually, I did a graph for our guys on the academy, um, and a lot of people, because um, I know they... <laughs> I know they gave Joe a lot of abuse on um, our battle report for taking yeah. reanimators, okay? But here's the thing. Um the reanimator isn't necessarily broken or like good or bad, right? What he does is when you think about a unit that its purpose is just to survive a battle round so it can completely replenish either at the at the end of an attack sequence or at the end of a uh, or the start of the next turn with a gem or something, um, then what you need to try and do is keep that unit alive as long as you possibly can. And when your opponent has only a limited amount of actions in their army, either it can see it, it's in range or the number of shots per unit, having a force multiplier there massively changes those statistics and those odds to allow you to survive that turn, allowing that unit of warriors to actually do their intended purpose, which is stay alive, reanimate again at the start of the turn. So it's incredibly important. Or if your opponent's actually wasting actions and vital shooting at that reanimator to kill it, then that's less actions and shots that are going into the unit that it actually wants to destroy and get rid of. So again, I think for 80 points, what a fantastic unit. Really, really like it. Yeah, I think it's tasty now. Um, then the Nightbringer's gone up slightly, which I'm not sure it needed to. I think the Catans are very pricey, but um, if you could spam them, they become a bit of an issue, I think. But um, it's a strange one. I think I think with those, in a competitive sense, a good player knows how to deal with it. Yeah. But a, pl- a player that is maybe new to the game or, you know, in their first few months of playing, 
actually they can be quite challenging and they can be a real, you know, like when, you know, back when we, we started first ever playing and I wanted to put a knight on the table. Oh yeah. yeah. In, in old Danny would be like, oh, why are you bringing a knight? You know, um, I can't remember what Necron shenanigans he was running at the time, but um, yeah, it's one of those things. I think it can give a little bit of a feel bad when you've got such powerful yeah. rules and interactions. Yeah. Cool. Um, just on the custodies, we've picked out the bikes have gone down, which is nice because they're very pricey. Uh, I think that reflects that the hur- hurricane bolters don't are nowhere near as efficient as they once used to be. So I think that's a nice little change in the custodies. Yep. Sister of Battle have done quite well, haven't they, Steve? Well, I mean, not if you listen to the internet, uh, but um, yeah, I think they've done very well. Um, personally, for my list, um, Repentia have gone up a point, but Zephyrin have gone down two points, which is um, amazing because I really like the Zephyrins um, and I run 30 of them. So, uh, yeah, I think it's super strong that obviously we're starting to see, um, you know, those changes there. I mean, I actually quite like the points for them anyway. So actually, it's only a nice yeah. little buff. Um, you've put the multi-melter girls. Is that right? The retributors? I think, yeah, I think they might have gone up. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to check, check that one, but there's been a points. Oh, I, I'd be surprised if they've gone down because they're so good. So I think they may have gone up a little bit. So just all check if you are a Sisters player that your uh, multi-melters are um, the same points or have gone up or come down. Yeah, they're such a good unit as well. So even if they have gone up a little bit, it's not... Um, you still not- take them, yeah. They're so strong, yeah. Dark Eldar and Eldar. Um, it's not so obvious, I don't think, this one. I think most of the stuff stayed stayed the same, but um, having a chat with Ben, it looks like it, um, lots of the troops have dropped in points, which makes your battalion tax cheaper, Yeah, which is always a good place to be um, because you, you want to be taking your battalion. Yeah, or it allows you to push more troops in because both of yeah. those armies quite struggle with holding objectives. So making them a little bit cheaper allows them to actually fulfill their role a little bit easier. So I think it's a nice change, like, you know, bringing down the Dire Avenger points a little bit. Um, it's a nice subtle adjustment, which again, isn't game breaking, but good. Yeah. Um, Gene Steel Cole, relatively untouched, but um, looks like Aberrants have gone down a little bit as well as some of the special weapons. Like the Hand Flame has gone down a point. So, you know, the Abrins have, they went up and up and up, and now they're starting to come back down. So that's a step in the right direction. Um, but a uh, shame. I always like to see a little bit more of the Gene Steeler Colt to try and get them back on the table. But hopefully, yeah, the next round that they might get a little bit more love. Yeah, or it could be that, you know, again, they probably don't want to change rules to make everything cheaper necessarily, but how can we change things like um, the mission? Well, we've just seen that yeah. with Bring It Down. So actually maybe Gene Steeler Colt get a nice little boost from the mission change and a subtle adjustment from the points rather than one massive swing like, oh, everything's cheaper. Oh, and then the mission's cheaper. Because that's an, that's why we would end up with, well, Gene Steeler Colt are now broken now. So I think it's nice that they're making these small tweaks, um, adjusting yep. and adjusting. Yeah. Um, next on the list is NIDS. So I think NIDS are the winner. Oh, yeah. Out of everyone. Big claims. So Hive Guard, Hive Tyrants, Warriors, Carnifexes, and a few more of the big big beasties have all come down in the codex in points, which is great. Um, some considerable savings, in particular on the Hive Tyrant, um, who was way overcosted, so that's fair enough. So you've opened up a lot more points there. With the change to bring it down, you're all of a sudden giving away less kill points. And some of the new Forge World stuff for them is also very strong. 
So I think they've got a huge boost and I'm going to spend a bit of time to look into that in a bit more detail because I'm very interested in what this looks like. And we've just got a new NID army. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm hoping it's next on the uh, the painting table because I'll be excited to uh, give them a spin. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right. We've got all that stuff actually. So, um, and um, and and Jake's our resident nids player as well, who's on the team. So uh, I'm sure he's frantically writing up lists as we speak. I really like big units of warriors. I think they've got play. So um, yeah, I think it's yeah, going to be interesting definitely. to see where that happens. No, that's cool. So just on to orcs, the the big mecha custom force field. Um, looks like he's gone down, but I think they made the same mistake previously with the custom four field points not being included as war gear. So there's maybe an error. So just keep an eye out just and see if that gets FAQ'd. And the mech gun um, doesn't include gun costs in their profile. So we're not sure what's kind of happened there. The the, the, the model's still in production and still being um, made by GW as far as I'm aware. So I think that might have just been an oversight to not include those gun different gun profiles like the smash gun and things like that. So again, just keep an eye out um, for hopefully a change will come and pick that up. Yep. And then finally, t- um, Chaos. Um, so Chaos have seen a few nice little changes and they're quite subtle. Uh, so the first one is on their Terminators. Um, Terminators used to be 31 points. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you this because I've got a full army of them. Um, <laughs> so a Terminator used to be 31 points, including the Combi Bolter and also the Lightning Claw. Okay. Now, because you paid, you know, a certain amount of points for each one. So it was like five points for a claw, three points for a weapon. Um, So what they're doing now, I think Games Workshop, to make it easier for us in terms of their points, is just adjusting slightly how they're, you know, utilising this scheme of the different points. Now, you look at it and you think, okay, well, and again, I don't want, you you know, people to look at this and go get annoyed by it, but I'm telling you kind of how it's, um, how it interacts. Cause I got scared when I looked at the Harlequin point change actually, and it figured out it was actually the same. So the unit cost of the Terminators is 28 points. So it's only three points less than 31. And then I was looking for my weapons. I was like, oh my God, Terminators have gone up. I couldn't believe it. But then I looked and I realized actually all their weapons that are, either just a power weapon. So you're talking power maul, power, fi- uh, sorry, power maul, power axe, power sword, a chain axe or a combi bolter are all free. Ooh. Yeah. So it's only a five additional points now for a chain fist or power fist. Um, nice. And you're paying five points for all your combi weapons. So all your, like all your base weapon is getting it now for free. So yeah, they're now just 28 points, a model flat. So that I've actually, I'm, I'm saving three points per model. So in an army where I take 30 of them, That's I've just saved points in your back pocket. Absolutely. Also demon prince is down 10 Decent. and a, Decent. and the thunder hammer on the chaos Lord is down as well. So that used to be 40 points and now I think it's dropped to 20. Nice. So again, some nice subtle adjustments there because you want to take a Chaos Lord with a Thunderhammer, but at 40 points, you're like, I don't want to pay that sort of tax. Um, but you're paying, the reason why it was 40 was because obviously in previous edition, it was minus three, now it's minus two. Yeah, I think it's a good change. So yeah, Chaos getting some love, which is good. So that concludes our points, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that sums up all the, all the changes from the FAQ and all the erratas that come out this week. 
And um, yeah, so next week we're going to be talking about Tau. We're going to be doing a really good overview into the codex and also diving into all the play testing that you've been doing with Tau, Jack. Yeah. Um, you know, what you've been, you know, utilizing, getting used to and how you're seeing more and more success now with the Tau and how they're becoming a real, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm a bit scared for next time I play them. So um, I think you should be. I, I think you should be. I'm interested into your mindset, how it's changed, um, because I would say you went through, you know, you kind of went off tower a little bit, but now you're really into it. So I'm really interested to hear next week how that's gone for you. I think it, um, just transition from 8th to 9th, I was a bit down, downtrodden with it all, but I've put the graft in now and um, I feel like I'm in a better place. It'd be great to share what I've learned and how I've gone, I've gone about it. And um, we could talk how in all its glory next week. Yeah, looking forward to that. But, you know, I think what a lot of people are going to get value from, even if you're not a Tau player, is first of all, understanding how to Tau works, you know how to beat them, but also the mindset in the um, the sort of patterns of behaviour that you've gone through, Jack, in order to help you do well with a, you know, non sort of, I don't want to say popular, but maybe not extremely competitive army. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe an underperforming yeah. faction. How are you doing so well with it? And that's what I want to find out more about, because I think there's going to be a lot of lessons there for everybody to learn. So anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Jack, thanks so much for all of your input today, all the prep work that you did for this. Um, you did an absolutely fantastic job and it's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, also thanks to everybody that's, you know, subscribes to the podcast, gives us reviews. It really, really helps us boosts in terms of, you know, where we are in the rankings. I want to become the number one, you know, 40K related podcast. I really do. I want to push for that, which is why we've invested in the audio equipment. So hopefully you guys appreciate um, you know, the audio improvements we've made as well. We've had some great comments on that. We're really putting a lot of time in terms of our content scripts and also the, you know, the flow of it all and all the prep work that we do now. So hopefully guys, you really appreciate that. And I really hope you guys who are, are in lockdown, you know, again, it's difficult timing, but look, focus on what you can learn more about the hobby, you know, consider joining the Academy if you want a community to be part of. Um, it's only helping, you know, more and more people that are in lockdown who can't necessarily play, but want to get sharp, want to be part of a community. Or, you know, if you don't want to do that and you want to just get, you know, spend this time getting your hobby sorted, you know, look at getting some terrain, upgrading your table. Um, and or what you could do is obviously dive deep into your um, hobby, get those armies painted ready for the tabletop. Yeah. So anyway, once again, thank you very much. And we'll see you next week on the Competitive 40K podcast. Take care.